and 16. Welcome back to the Windows and Mirrors podcast. My name is Keith, and this is a podcast uh, where we're trying to show you that the Bible is more like a window than it is a mirror. We come to it to see through it and to see God, not to it to primarily look at it and see ourselves. All right. So once again, guys, um, tracking right on through the book of Ezekiel. Uh, so good. Uh, we, we come up on a section uh, Ezekiel 36 and 37, which are probably two of the most known uh chapters in the book and so 35 remember last time picks up where 36 leaves off 35 spoke about the mountains of israel's enemies being judged well here it talks about the mountains of israel uh themselves being blessed right and restored so it says yo you mountains of israel will produce your branches and bear your fruit for my people israel since their arrival is near look i'm on your side i will turn toward you and you will be filled or you'll be tilled and sown i will fill you right with people with the house with the whole house of Israel in its entirety, the cities will be inhabited and the ruins rebuilt. So one of the things that uh, you'll see here is that uh, all throughout the Old Testament, agricultural abundance was seen as a blessing uh, from God. Right. Seen as a blessing from God, whereas famine, on the other hand, was seen and associated with God's curse. So he's going to say, yo, the field and the land will be abundant. God will bless you, right? This is after the exile. God is promising a future blessing for his people. Then he goes on to say, this isn't just for Judah. This is for the whole house of Israel as well. So once again, uh, you know, the prophet's message can really be summed up into two words, right? What are the prophets about? Judgment and restoration. Every single prophet you'll read literally usually has a section of judgment and a section of restoration. Sometimes the sections of judgment are more lengthy, but God is going to restore his people, right? The Bible, think about it. The Bible never talks about death without resurrection, right? God is going to judge, but he's also going to restore. And that just shows the nature of the God we serve. So he's saying, yo, all of Israel is basically going to be restored. Um, and yeah, this chapter, again, one of the most famous in scripture, he talks about, uh, you know, how Israel, man, you know, had defiled the land by their disobedience. God dispersed them because of their sin and they get dispersed to the nations. And basically, this doesn't just look bad on Israel. God is going to show like, now this actually looks bad on me. Right. And so in the ancient Near East, in the times, in the cultures of that day, there was this idea that a nation, their God and land were intimately tied together. Right. And so this is why God says uh, in this text, he says, yo, these are the people of the Lord. This is what the nations would say. Yet they had to leave his land in exile. And then God will say, man, then I had concern for my holy name, which the house of Israel profaned among the nations where they went. In other words, this man made God them being exiled, make God seem as if he wasn't powerful enough to keep his people. Thus, the exile in the pagans mind, right, would say that their God is inferior to the gods of the nations in 24 he's going to come up on the famous part for i will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and i will bring you into your own land i will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean i will cleanse you from all your impurities and your idols i will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you i will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh i will place my spirit within you and cause you to follow my statues and carefully obey my ordinances you will live in the land that I gave your ancestors. You will be my people and I will be 
your God. Such a beautiful passage, such a beautiful promise, right? And so this idea of sprinkling clean water actually comes from the Pentateuch, the first five books of Moses, where the priests would take water and wash people or objects in order to cleanse them of their impurity. And we see, yeah, even these themes all throughout the scripture, man. Think about it. In the flood narrative of Noah, what God does is he cleanses the world of impurity through the washing of water, right? You flip to the New Testament, this is the idea of regeneration, where it's this secret act of God, by which he imparts new spiritual life to dead, heart, to dead hearts, and he cleanses them by giving them a new heart, right? And so um, this is a prophecy, man, of the new covenant that will be accomplished by Jesus Christ himself. He's going to, he gives us new hearts. He gives us his spirit, all right? And that changes us from the inside out so that we could live lives that are pleasing to God, right? And so the work of God, basically, man, in salvation is so radical that Christ is going to say in John chapter three, it's like we have been born again, right? We have to have this heart surgery. The people of Israel need a heart surgery. They don't need to just be cleaned up on the outside. And our mind, our will, and our inclinations, if we're in Christ, have been redone. They have been remade. That's This is the reason why you get up and listen to podcasts like this every day, right? Because your hearts are new, right? And so what he's going to do, though, is echo uh, the book of Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 30, when God talks about, you know, the circumcision of the heart and what he will do for his people post exile, all accomplished in the work of Christ. 37 piggybacks off 36. And man, I just wish I had time to go into detail on all of this stuff because it's so good. But Basically, uh, 37 is this prophecy of the valley of dry bones, right? So Ezekiel is told to prophesy to these dry bones. And the text says this. He said to me, prophesy concerning these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord God says to these bones. I will cause breath to enter you and you will live. I will put tendons on you, make flesh grow on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you so that you come to life then you will know that I am the Lord. And so the idea of breath being put into these bones, uh, this this word for breath is the Hebrew word ruach, ruach, and which is the same word for spirit. And uh, basically, you know, at the end of the section, Ezekiel seems to be saying that these bones were dry, indicating that they were dead, right? So bones, when you die, your bones actually dry out after a certain point of time. And um, what he's saying here is that the breath of God's spirit is going to make that what's dead come to life. Right. It's going to make what's dead come to life. And this is a prefiguring of the resurrection of Christ. But it's also the resurrection of God's people. And so he'll say this at the end of the text. He'll say, this is what the Lord God says. I'm going to open your graves and bring you up from them. Resurrection, my people, and lead you into the land of Israel. You will know that I'm the Lord. My people, when I open your graves and bring you up from them, right, um, I'll put my spirit in you and you will live and I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I'm the Lord. I've spoken and I will do it. This is the declaration of the Lord. One of the things he's going to say in this text, and I uh, keep saying it over and over, is the fact that Israel and Judah, who were once who were separate in this time, will be reunited in the reunification of Israel only happens by the life animating power of God's spirit, right? And this life animating power of God's spirit brings those who are dead, right? To new life. Paul will even say, yo, 
uh, the return from exile, in a sense, was bringing back uh, life to the dead, right? And so we see this um, foreshadow in Jesus coming first, dying and rising, and then his people following after him, dying and rising. The ultimate hope of the Christian, listen, the ultimate hope of the Christian is not heaven. The ultimate hope of the Christian is resurrection, where we participate in the redemptive pattern of Christ, right? Where we die with him and raise with him. And God restores every single thing that was lost to something even greater. 38. So good. And then it's like the text takes this like leap or plunge down, right? It's like it interrupt 38 and 39 basically interrupt this restorative narrative uh, that we've kind of been talking about. So really quick, 38 basically talks about this guy named Gog, right? And Gog is this historical figure who Ezekiel is going to prophesy against. But many would say, um, yes, this is a historical person, but they're not sure of who he is. And so uh, nonetheless, he's mentioned and he's talked about um, in future events and they would say that he actually transcends the, those future events. So in other words, he's um, kind of paradigmatic for how God is going to talk about enemies, right? So similar to Babylon, Babylon is going to die out uh, in the ancient world. And then in the book of Revelation, God will talk about how Babylon is going to be destroyed. And he's using Babylon as a paradigm evil nation to talk about the evil nations at the end of time. So similar here. And all he's saying is, um, basically, God is going to raise up this enemy who uh, uh, and he allows them to come against his people. But ultimately, Yahweh is going to thwart the invasion and defend his people and their land. And so Yahweh's purpose in summoning gold becomes clear. He must repair his reputation in the eyes of the nations by showing himself powerful enough to defend his people from their enemies, regardless of how powerful their enemies are. And so in 39, he goes into more detail um, in his figurative language. This is apocalyptic literature talking about, you know, Ezekiel's time and the end of time. So it's it can be very dense. But essentially, uh, you know, what this uh, part of 39 is going to echo is much of the book of Revelation and refers to many would say the battle of Armageddon when uh, Yahweh and Satan battle it out at the end of time. And Yahweh fully and finally puts away Satan and his demons for good. And so he will say this, I will send fire against Magog and those who live securely on the coasts and islands. They will know that I'm the Lord. So I will make holy my name, uh, make my, my holy name known among my people, Israel, and will no longer allow it to be profane. Then he says this, then the nations will know that I am the Lord, the Holy One in Israel. Yes, it is coming and it will happen. This is the declaration of the Lord God. This is the day I have spoken about. Once again, the victory by the Lord here is not arbitrary or for gloating purposes, but it's for a missional purpose, right? The great acts of God in history have a missional function, right? So that the nations, the purpose is so that the nations and peoples would come to worship him, right? And upon the defeat of this enemy, God ends once again with the restoration of his people. And he's going to say this, they will know that I'm the Lord, their God, when I regather them to their own land after having exile them among the nations. I will leave none of them behind. I will no longer hide my face from them, for I will pour out my spirit on the house of Israel. This is the declaration of the Lord God. Man, like in the words of Kendrick Lamar, we gonna be all right. Today, you may be feeling like, man, I'm suffering. Man, it seemed like seems like darkness and evil is winning. 
But the beauty of the gospel, the beauty of what Christ has done, the beauty of what God has done in Christ is that he tells us what's going to happen in the future. And it is certain based on what he's done in the past. Thanks be to God. Father, we thank you for your grace, your mercy, your kindness. We pray that uh, we would trust you, Father, knowing that the unfolding of history is the unfolding of your history, God, and that things um, don't fall outside of your sovereign will. And that one day, God, even if things uh, feel terrible right now, we be made right at the end of time. Help us to trust you in that. Help us to have a vision that looks forward to that. We love you and we thank you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.